You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as a family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. We're going to jump into the message here, and I wanted to start, you know, it's kind of picking up from Friday night a little bit. I'm going to reiterate a little bit of what I talked about Friday night, and I wanted to start with this scripture out of Ephesians 3.20. It's in your notes. Um, Honestly, during worship, I I nearly changed half my message, so your notes will not make complete sense today, but that's okay. So we're going to start in Ephesians 3.20, and I started Friday night with this scripture because honestly, I, I was being really vulnerable and just kind of saying, this is a struggle for me. Sometimes to read certain things that are said in the Bible and then to actually apply them to our lives isn't always easy because it's hard to believe. And it says this, Ephesians 3.20, Now all glory to God who is able through, the, through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Infinitely more than we might ask or think. I, I was saying on Friday, I've always struggled with this because I really feel like I, I could ask a lot. I could think a lot, but yet God is saying to us that he can do infinitely more then we might ask or think. And so, you know, Friday I said, this was, this was a different year for our partner party and even for Vision. You know, in June we celebrated the last 40 years of our existence and it was awesome and we, we were so excited to remember all that God's done through our church for the last 40 years. But really, Friday night and even a little bit of this morning is about what could God do in the next 40? What could he do over the next 40 years? I'll be 77 years old then. But what could God do? If we make decisions now, if we aim for what God is calling us to do now, what could God do 40 years from now with that? And that's what I want to be about. And I started with the scripture Proverbs. And, you know, I'm going to read it to you this morning, but we're going to go, go through it quick. Where there is no prophetic vision, Proverbs 29, 18. Many of you have heard the scripture. Usually it says it this way. Where there's no vision, the, the people will perish. But I love this. This is the ESV translation. It says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. And I talked about the idea that vision isn't, it isn't enough to just have any vision. As Christians, as people who follow Christ, who follow Jesus, our call isn't just to have goals or vision in our life. It's to have prophetic vision. And the difference is this. Simply prophetic vision are words and ideas and visions that come from God, not just from us. You know, sometimes we make this word prophetic kind of weird or eerie. It's not. It simply means when God is speaking to us. And sometimes we have people come up here on a Sunday, or sometimes people will declare something, oh, I feel God is saying this to you or saying this to us as a church. That's a prophetic word. It means that we believe we're hearing from God, and now we're going to declare what he's saying. It's the same with vision. We want to hear from God what his vision is, and then we want to walk that out. And this is really important, not just even as a church, but also for our lives. As every individual... We're supposed to have prophetic vision in our lives. We're supposed to see, hear, even discern what God's call is and direction is for us, and then that's the way we're supposed to go. You know, I've had this conversation with my son quite a bit. My, my son, Jeremiah, he's 13, but he thinks he's 20. And 
Right now, he's talking about being a lawyer. And one of his first questions was, how long you know, do you have to go to school to be a lawyer? And I said, like, six to eight years. I think that might have discouraged him. And then I said, you better start saving money now, because dad doesn't make that much money to put you through college. But he has this idea, and he's, he's having vision for his life. You know, this is what the school system teaches. That, you know, what's your career going to be? What are you going to put your life into? And, and those are all great things. And at the end of a lot of these conversations, I always say to him, you know what? And because he'll say, do you think I should do that? Hey, dad, what about this? Do you think I should do this? And I'll say, buddy, at the end of the day, I just want you to do what God wants. Have you asked him? And usually he's like, well, not really. (laughs) Because for me, I don't care what my children do if they're following what Jesus is speaking to them. Because I know now, far enough into life now, where I tried things my own way, but then when I decided to finally go Jesus' way and his vision for my life, I realized how much better his planning is than mine. And how much more uh, purposeful and fulfilling his way is than mine. And sometimes in life, we end up, we end up kind of flipping it. It's like, hey, I'm going to have all this vision and goals for my life, and I'm going to go the way that I want to go. And you know, I, I kind of talked on Friday night what it meant when it said the people cast off restraint. Another translation is the people did whatever they wanted. And sometimes we go about life doing whatever we want, but then we wonder why God doesn't show up so much when we're not in his vision. And so we have to capture this as individuals in our lives to make decisions and make discernment. And listen, you shouldn't fret about it. You shouldn't be like sweating all the time. Oh God, I hope I'm making the right decision. Listen, God honors honestly almost all our decisions. And I just, I love him because one of the greatest things about God that I think is he's working with 7 billion people's decisions every day. Every day, 7 billion people are making decisions on this planet, almost 8 billion right now. And he's somehow coercing and, and, and correcting and guiding and, and pushing us all into the directions that he's calling us to. We still have to submit. We still have to say yes. We still have to discern and go those ways. But I love that Jesus is always working with our decisions. But as a church, I want to be about his vision, not just ours. And the vision of church was never just to gather on Sunday mornings for an hour and a half or an hour and 45 minutes. The vision of the church was to extend the kingdom of God. This is why we started talking about the church in June. It's why we have been doing this long series on what the kingdom is and what it means to us and why it's supposed to shape us because this is who we are supposed to be. We are called to extend the kingdom of God wherever we find ourselves. No matter what job we have, career we have, no matter what friendship group or family group we find ourselves in, the really the vision, the overarching vision is for God to use us in that place. And as a church, we want to discern what is God's vision for us as a church, for NTC, for the North Country, for Messina, for this region. And so Friday night, we, we threw out quite a few big ideas. One of them that you've heard, um, I think we might have some slides here, is the leadership school that we're starting. You know, for seven years, we did Momentum as a gap year program. And I really felt that in April, um, really at a prayer time that I, I was spending away, that God said to me, listen, you, you, you can dream all the dreams you want, but if you don't have the leaders to accomplish them, they'll never happen. 
And even as much as we've believed for church planting, for us to impact this region, at the end of the day, it takes leaders. And I've said this many times on Sunday morning. I'll probably say it many times more until it's drilled in. In Matthew 9, we live in the same dilemma. Jesus looks out at the crowds. There's plenty of people. I mean, look around Messina. Look around Augensburg. Look around the North Country. There's plenty of people. There's crowds of people. And it says Jesus looks at them says they're like sheep without a shepherd. And then this is what he says. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out more workers. We're in the same dilemma. Jesus needs workers. He needs leaders. And we, as Christians, I think should be leaders no matter where we are. You know, kind of the tagline for this leadership school is going to be this. Followers of Jesus, leaders in the world. Because wherever we find ourselves, we should be leading the world. Whether that's in the workplace, the school system, politics, wherever God places us, wherever his vision for our lives is, we should be leaders in that place, not followers. We should only be following one person. And so we're going to do this leadership school. We, we've hired Tony Ramsell, who's coming on in January. I think some of you heard that. We talked about it a few Sundays back. We're super excited for Tony coming on in January, but we're also going to do a large renovation in the church building to accommodate this. One of the things we want to do is to be able to actually um, house students that are going to do the nine-month program. And so we're going to do our third floor over. If you've been up there where the old infant nursery and toddler nursery is, we're going to change that into six dorms. Yeah, there's a little, you can't, it's hard to tell, but um, there's going to be three men's dorms and three women's dorms. And we're going to house students here. And then we're also going to be doing some sort of night classes, different contexts, so that people who obviously can't just live here and give up a whole school year of their life can still get training. Because I'm believing that this is going to be a place, and it's not just from me. And we've had prophetic words over this church for years and years that this is meant to be a training center for leaders. So we're going to do that. Because this is one of the visions that God has given us to be a training center. So you're going to see that project started actually in January is what we're believing for. And we're really excited for it. The next thing I kind of wanted to give you an update on is our NTC family. Um, We talked about this in June. And really right now what's happening is every five to six weeks, myself um, and Justice uh, Martin and Malone and Don Curry in Plattsburgh, Bruce McCauley, um, in, in Saranac Lake, we're all getting together and, you know, some of the other leaders are getting together with us and we're just dreaming about what does it mean for us to work together, to be together, to impact the North Country. And even as we're planting Augensburg, uh, you know, we really felt like Jesus was calling us to plant this church differently so that we're connected at a level where we really are one church. And so, you know, we're doing this in Augensburg and this week as I was getting ready for Friday, and for talking about vision, I came across this prophetic word that was written down. Do we have that up, I think, maybe? Yes, this one. I want to read this to you guys. This is from Bob Haslin, August 2011. He says, I'm going to do something unique. It was a church without walls, because it's going to be churches in many different cities along northern New York. It's not just going to be a group of churches, but it's actually going to be one church, I feel like there are some churches that God is going to give you where they change the name. You're not trying to start a denomination or anything. It's just a family, and families have names. It's good for a family to all have the same name. 
And as we've been talking as leaders, we, we're talking about how, it, how can we actually represent the kingdom better in being one church? How can we lead together? How can we walk together? How can we actually influence together? And it's why we're planting NTC Augensburg in the way we are, where Jess and I are actually leading that at this time. But something incredible has happened there, and I don't, a lot of you have probably heard the news now. But on Friday, we actually had a, a great gentleman here with us, Hilmar, and he was from Grace Covenant Church. And he really shared over a series of events these last number of months where, where I had met with them before just to share my heart about coming to Augensburg. Well, they re-met with me, wanted to meet with me. And their plan right now, it's, not, it's, it's already happened. They've already announced it on November 28th is their last day having services as Grace Covenant Church, and they are dissolving their name, and they're handing the building and all of their finances over to NTC. In Hilmar's words, he said, the greatest way we can impact and advance the kingdom is by just joining with what you're doing. That's kingdom mindset. You see, Jesus isn't coming back for Grace Covenant Church or NTC. He's coming back for his people, and so when he looks down here and he sees a moment like this where a church decides, and they've got, they've got 40 very faithful members that are actually really excited. Hilmar told me, I've talked to every one of them personally, and every one of them is excited about this change. That in itself is miraculous. And so here we are, we're stepping out because we believe this is vision that God's given us to, to influence the North Country, to influence Augensburg, and again, for a second year in a row, we get a free building. Because <laughs> as we went to Malone, we were, we were helping them, helping the church that was there, just meeting in tents, and we were praying and, and believing for a building, and out of the blue, a lady calls me from Montreal, you know this story, gives us $300,000 to buy a Catholic church. When we step out in God's vision for our lives and for the church, I think Ephesians 3.20 starts to become true. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work with us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. When we start to walk in the vision of God, then he accomplishes more than we might even ask or think. And so I'm, I'm unbelievably excited for Augensburg. You know, tonight we have our second service. We're still holding it at the freight house tonight at 6 p.m. If you want to join us, you're welcome to join us. And, I, and we've been just connecting with incredible couples there and families and different people. I'm believing that there's going to be an awakening in Augensburg. An awakening of hearts to come to know Jesus I'm believing for the power of the Holy Spirit to influence people, to see incredible miracles. This is what the kingdom is supposed to bring. And so as we go together, we're going to do this together in new ways. You're going to be hearing more about that, the NTC family, as we move forward. Actually, I want to show you a couple pictures of the building just because I think it's awesome. So do we, yeah, there we are. So this is the building. If you don't know it, it's on 37 across from the Grandview Inn. You can scroll through. I don't think I have a ton on this one, but. Their lobby, this is their sanctuary, which is beautiful. Keep going. They got offices in the back behind the sanctuary and a whole bunch of, I think they have four classrooms back there, two classrooms at the front. Keep going. Is there any more? No? Okay, that's it. 
I didn't put the one of the map. Oh, I didn't. Well, I must have forgot. So anyway, I was just, I had one of a map showing you where it is on 37. If you know where the Grand View is, it's literally right across the street, and it's next to the Catholic um, college that they used to have. I forget what that was called. Modern day. So um, yeah, we're right next to that property. So NTC Augensburg, God is moving in incredible ways. And so, you know, we announce these, these things that are taking place. And then I, on Friday, decided to get into some, what I'm just calling our wild dreams of what I believe Jesus is calling us to as a church. I, I didn't put the graphics up today, but I'm believing that NTC, as a family, is going to saturate the North Country with life-giving churches. And when I say saturate, I literally mean that there will not be a space of influence that NTC is not influencing between the river and 90 and 81 and 87. We've prayed for those million people for 40 years. I've heard that literally for, for my entire life being in this church. And I'm believing that in the next 25 years that there's not a spot on that map that isn't influenced by our family of churches. And it's gonna take work. It's gonna take God doing incredible things beyond what I can possibly think or imagine. Because in, in reality, the resource is something that we don't have just in our pocketbooks. But I know that Jesus has it. Because every time we decide to step out, he shows up in an incredible way. Now, I would love if we just got a free building every time we moved to a new place. I'll be praying that literally every time now. But I know that God is going to open incredible doors. And then, you know, I, I've just been stirred in these last number of months um, to dream big and for, for our vision to be bigger. And I felt like Jesus just keeps kind of pushing me further out on the ledge of what that looks like. And it actually, one of the, the things was I was coming back from Scroon Lake and I was visiting Word of Life Bible Institute there. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's really an incredible property and and I heard this story while I was there. These two guys about 70 years ago from New York City came up to the woods, and they just basically dreamed, what could God do with this property? And I just was like, man, it was just, it, it impacted me in a, in a huge way. Like, Jesus, what could you do if we just believed you would show up in power in miraculous ways, if you would provide things, resources, and money in ways that we can't possibly imagine? And as I was driving, thinking about that, this piece of land popped into my head that I had seen for sale years ago. And I was like, man, I mean, it just came back to me, which I know that's usually the Holy Spirit. And I thought, I wonder if that's still for sale. So I looked it up on Zillow, and it was still for sale. And I want to show you what this piece of land is, because I'm just dreaming that I, that I believe God is calling us to do more than we can possibly think or imagine. Do I, did I put that in the slides? Yeah, put it up there. All right, do you see where this is? Anybody recognize it? We're all sitting right here. Across the road from us is a row of houses and behind it is 100, I actually am wrong, I looked it up last night, it's 120 acres. That's been for sale for years. Almost a mile of river frontage there. And they're asking $250,000 for it. And you can see there's a big house. Many people don't know this, but there's a really large house down there on that little square. They're not selling that part. And so I'm like, man, Jesus, what could you do with land like this? 
You know, we've had prophetic words about having a training center, about being a resource center, about being a place where people would come and they would spend time here. They'd get healed. God would make them whole. They'd be sent back out to influence the nations. And I thought to myself, God, what could you do if we had a place like that? Now, we don't have the money for it. I don't have the money to even buy the land, let alone how much it would cost to develop it. But what if we pushed ourselves out on the ledge of believing a scripture like Ephesians 3.20 that says God can do infinitely more than we might ask or think? And so then I was like, well, Jesus, how do you even get, I was looking at this going, how do you even get to the property? Did I put the next slide up? This is the entrance to the property. That's our parking lot. That's the entrance to the whole property. It's right there. If you look out from our sign, there's a grouping of trees between two houses. That's the entrance to this property. And so I just said, okay, Jesus, I'll start praying about it. I'll start trying to stretch my faith to believe that maybe, maybe 40 years from now, someone will say, man, I'm glad those guys did that. I'm glad those people had vision beyond even maybe their age would ever reach them to see it. Because the guys who started that thing down in Scroon Lake never saw the fruition of it completely. But I'm believing that there's things we're doing now that we're going we're gonna to do that makes a huge benefit for the generations to come. And I'm believing that if we're going to influence the North Country, if we're going to influence this million people and beyond, because I believe we're going to touch the nations, we're working in Uganda, in Cali, Colombia, and Romania over the years. I believe God's calling us to touch the nations, but I believe God's going to do something incredible from this Messina place where we have more workers than we need to be sent out. And so I don't know how to pay for this, but I'm, I'm believing that God's going to provide. That something incredible is going to happen. I'll take it for free if, if whoever owns that's listening right now. <laughs> but I'm believing that God's going to open doors for us to step out. To see something incredible take place. You know, there's a scripture in Joshua 1.3. It's in your notes. I'm going to skip part of that just down to Joshua 1.3. It says, wherever you have set your foot... You will be on land I have given you. And I love this whole storyline of Joshua, right? First, the Israelites, they escape. And then, you know, in Numbers 13, uh, Moses sends them into the promised land to, to kind of spy it out. And they come back and they basically give a bad report, except for two guys, Caleb and Joshua. Caleb and Joshua say, no, we can take the land. It's God's given it to us. But all the other spies say, no, it, it, there's giants. It's too big. We can't do it. And these two have a report, and God basically says, because of your bad reports, you'll wander for 40 years. And so we see the end of the 40 years come, and Moses dies, and now it's Joshua, and Jesus, or God comes to Joshua and says, listen, be strong and courageous. And he pushes them into the promised land. And there's this moment where, where God's encouraging Joshua, don't worry about what you see in front of you. Don't, don't count your limitations. And he makes this this statement, wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I have given you. So about two months ago when I first saw this land, I asked Chris White, hey, you want to go walk this land with me? We walked it for about four and a half hours and only walked about half of it, or three and a half hours. It was raining too. It was pretty miserable actually. But it's beautiful. And I'm believing that God's going to give us things, that God's going to open doors that, you know, this is just 
I believe this is just a drop. I'm putting something out there to stretch our faith, but I believe God's going to give us and bring resources into our world that is beyond what we're actually asking or thinking. This is something I'm asking or thinking. But what does God have for us that we're not even asking or thinking? The same is true for our lives as individuals. What is it that God's stirring in us that maybe we're even afraid to ask or think? I think often, I talked about this on Friday, we just, we end up living in this fear place where we're afraid to pray bold prayers. We're afraid to even ask specifically. And so we're always praying generally to Jesus. We're like, hey Jesus, just, you know, bless us. I want to change that prayer to, Jesus, give us this land. Jesus, give us the money we need to extend your kingdom. God, let us see blessing in real specific ways. I think sometimes we shy away from those kinds of thoughts or prayers. Maybe, maybe we try to be Christian in the moment in our heads and be like, well, you know, that's a little arrogant. But truthfully, it's just not being faith-filled. I want to be full of faith. I want to be full of believing. And, and honestly, after these last two years, during COVID, seeing what God has done in the midst of a season where it doesn't make sense at all, my faith has been built. Seeing God bless Malone in such an incredible way and in living hope, seeing this happen in Augensburg in the midst of still COVID and difficult situations, our finances are, are up re, like in ways I don't understand. We're, we have $70,000 more than we did last year at this time. I don't even get it. There's less people here. If you count the numbers in attendance, there's less people. I love that God's kingdom measurements don't equal our measurements. That's faith. It's when we push ourselves out on the edge and believe for God to do something beyond what we can ask or imagine. But in your notes, this is kind of what I want to land today. Vision always requires sacrifice. Vision always requires sacrifice. And I kind of want to go to this story. And I just felt like God gave me this right literally in the middle of worship. And I want to go to this story in Luke 9.23 is where we're going to start. Luke 9.23, Jesus makes this statement. And he says, Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And he makes this statement, If you, if you want to follow me, Take up your cross daily. And I've talked about this before because Jesus makes this statement in a moment when he had not died on the cross yet. So we read it 2,000 years later from this like Christian spiritual point of view like, oh, it's so symbolistic. That's so wonderful. He's not being symbolistic. He's literally talking about what is going to kill him in a matter of time. And he's using this harsh language because he's trying to get them to see that at the end of the day, to see God's kingdom extended, it's going to take sacrifice. And the sacrifice starts with Jesus. 
For us to see that kingdom come to earth when, when he teaches his disciples how to pray and he says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In order for that to have become a possibility, it started with the sacrifice of what Jesus on the, did on the cross. But here in this scripture, Jesus is basically telling his followers, Listen, if you want to follow me, it's costly. Now what I love about costly things in God's kingdom is the reward is always much better. This goes back to what I talked about at the beginning of the message. It's when we start to realize that if I don't go my if I don't go my way anymore, if I stop living in my vision and I go in God's prophetic vision, I actually realize that yes, maybe I had to give something up that felt valued and important to me, but I ended up actually giving it up for something far better. And that's what Jesus understood. Even as he went to the cross, even as he sacrificed his life in the way that he did, he understood this is, this is a hard thing for me to do, but something far better is going to come out of it. And I love that in the kingdom of God, that when we choose his way, yes, it might require us to sacrifice, but God's going to do something out of it. He's going to bring life out of a situation that seemed impossible, seemed like it was just full of death. He's going to bring life out of that place. And so Jesus is calling us in this scripture to live the same way, in a sacrificial way. To take, he says, take up your cross daily. To literally wake up every morning and remember I need to sacrifice for Jesus today. And I want to go to this, continue in this story. We're going to jump down to Luke 23. And we're going to hear about a guy that, you know, doesn't get talked about a lot, but it's really an interesting story. Luke 23, verse 26. So listen, Jesus has been put on trial He's been flogged, he's been whipped, he's beaten, he's bloody. They've put the cross on his shoulder, and this is where we're going to pick up the story. Verse 26, it says, as they led Jesus away, so Jesus now, he's got the cross on his shoulder, and they're going to force him to carry that thing to Golgotha Hill. It says, as they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene, happened to be coming in from the countryside. The soldier seized him. And put the cross on him and made, it, made him carry it behind Jesus. I want to talk about this guy, Simon. You know, I love, I love that there's two comparisons here in Scripture. We can look at two different Simons. And we get to look at these two different Simons in Scripture and kind of see what happens in their life. And we know one Simon is Peter, right? Simon, who, who became Jesus, one of his main disciples who followed him for those three and a half years. But when we get to this end point of his life, actually, I want to turn real quick to Luke 22. Just, just go back just a little bit in the story. In Luke 22, we, we see this other Simon, Simon Peter. And it's going to start in kind of a harsh point of view in verse 31. It says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. And it's interesting that in this moment, so listen, Peter had already been renamed. But yet Jesus refers to him as his old name in this moment. 
I don't know if you remember last week when we were talking about celebrations, we were talking about the tomb. I think this was a moment where Jesus was saying, Simon, you're going to start acting like that old person again. And he warns him. But afterwards, he says, feed my sheep, strengthen your brothers. But Peter wants to be defensive, and he says, Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Then Jesus asked them, when I sent you out to preach the good news and you did not have money, a traveler's bag or extra clothing, did you need anything? No, they replied. But now he said, take your money and your traveler's bag and if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. And he goes on to prophesy about the end. But let's just jump down to the verse 54 in the same chapter and it says this, so they arrested him and led him to the high priest's home. This is Jesus. And Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, actually, I want to turn real quick to Matthew 26. I like this story better there. Sorry, I just realized I like it better out of Matthew. I gotta find where it is though. Oh yeah, verse 69. So we'll, we'll jump down to 71. Later out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it this time with an oath. I don't even know the man. You know, a lot of, a lot of translations say this, this, at this not, not an oath, by swearing. He was swearing by it. I, I don't know him. Gosh darn it. I'm sure that's what he said. A little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be the one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Verse 74, Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you even know me. I love this, this language here. Because if we jump back to Luke 23 when Jesus, or Luke 22 when Jesus is, or sorry, it's Luke 9 when Jesus is speaking and says that unless you deny yourself and pick up your cross daily. There's a denying in our life that we're supposed to go away from what we want to do and follow his way. But it costs us. And some of us are like Peter where, where when the cost comes down to it, we get scared and we pretend we don't know him. We end up denying him, and we're like, you know what, Jesus, that's too expensive. That's too hard. That's too costly. That's, that's too scary. That's too much. I don't know if I can do that. And some of us live kind of like Simon Peter, and we end up denying him, but I love at the end of the story, he comes back. He realizes. But then I love this other Simon that we see only for a brief, brief moment. This Simon of Cyrene, it says that the soldiers, it says he came in from the countryside. And the soldiers seized him and forced the cross on his back. I want to say, when I, when I read this, I identify a little bit with this guy. 
I'll tell you, often I stand here in front of you and I think, how did I get here? Wait a second. I just came to watch. I just came to stand on the sidelines and see what the old commotion was about. I just came to sit in the back of the church because I heard there was a good band here. I just came to check things out, but then all of a sudden, something seizes our lives, and in a moment, it feels like this thing is forced on us. But what I love is that Simon does it. We don't even see him fight back. Now, I'm sure that it would have been bad if he did, but we see him take this cross, even in the confusion of the moment, he sees, he's just come to watch, and he carries the cross for Jesus all the way to the cross, all the way to the hill, I mean. And I've read this, and I I think to myself, I want to be like this Simon. That even if I'm just coming to watch, but yet Jesus, but yet circumstances maybe seize me, I want to carry the cross no matter what it costs me. I want to carry that cross all the way to the hill. I want to respond, not in a denial of Jesus, but I want to respond in, I'll carry it for him. And honestly, I look at this Simon from Cyrene's life, and I think this is what Christianity in the church is actually about. You see, we're all called to be this Simon. Because Jesus is God now. He says in John 14, it's better for you that I go. In fact, greater works will you do than I have done. And we have to understand that now Jesus has taken the cross and he's put it on our back. And he's saying, are you going to carry this for me? Are you going to do what I have been doing now that I'm leaving? This is the call of the church. This is the call of our lives to take up the cross, to sacrifice whatever God calls us to sacrifice and to walk out the prophetic vision he has for us. John 14, 12, I just quoted, but I want to read it. It says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works. It feels almost wrong to say it, but I want to do greater works. I want to do greater works. I would challenge you in your seats right now, where you're at, watching online, to try to step over this place of diminishing the call of God on your life and actually saying to yourself, I want to do greater works. You see, actually, I think that we water down Christianity and water down the call of God in our lives when we think, oh, we can't do it. We don't have the ability. God, I'm not prepared enough. I don't know enough. I'm not ready enough. Yet God says, greater works will you do. Now, we all know that the next part is he introduces the Holy Spirit, and you absolutely need the Holy Spirit in order to do it. But we have to get out of this mindset that we can't accomplish the great things God has called us to. Because greater works is what he's called us to. Why don't we stand this morning? We're actually going to end with a time of communion. So maybe whoever's at the table serving can come right now. And I really think this is an appropriate thing because 
When Jesus sat with his friends at that last supper and made the statements like, do this in remembrance of me, and and of course we absolutely believe in communion and breaking bread and passing the cup, but I really believe he was talking about his life more than anything else. He was talking about living the way he lived. Giving the way he gave to the world around him. Sacrificing the way he sacrificed. And I'm believing for God to do incredibly more than we can ask or imagine. Now it's impossible for me. It's impossible for you. But it's not impossible for all of us. And this is, this is the design of the church. It's to do it together, to be together, to carry the work of God together, to carry the vision together. That's why in Ephesians 4, Paul writes this idea of the body, but then says this is the job to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. We're all called to do the work of the ministry. To influence northern New York, to plant churches in Augensburg and the surrounding region, to believe for things like land, to believe for resources beyond our abilities. This is the job of us all doing it together. And you know, as we take communion today, I'm believing that God's going to open up just heaven's resources over us. That he's going to bless us in ways not just for ourselves, so that we can be a blessing to the world around us. The same promise that was given to Abraham at the beginning. So I want us to all come and get the elements, and then we're going to take them back to our seats, and we're going to read through this together.
we take communion. One of the ways that I feel God's calling all of us to sacrifice, and that this is a change that's going to be taking place in order for us honestly to make a shift as a church to carrying the cross together, to seeing God do the work that we're talking about in the North Country, and even specifically to, to make it possible to plant Augensburg. Is our plan is that by January 9th, we're going to go to Sunday morning services in Augensburg. We have a building, we have people, we have serving teams, and we're believing for God really by January 9th for that to take place. But one of the things that we really felt and we've talked about is, as elders and leaders is that for us to make a shift as a church to carrying that and for us to practically be able to do it, we're actually going to move our service times to 9 a.m. here. We've been 10 a.m. for probably 40 years. I think there was a summer where we did a 9 a.m. thing and it actually didn't go great. But, but for us to have a mindset where church isn't just about what's comfortable for us and to make it possible for us to actually plant in Augensburg. Honestly, in years, in just a few years down the road, I want to plant in Potsdam. I'm believing that the North Country is going to be saturated. For us to have a kind of a standing point from Messina, to be able to do that effectively, we're going to move our services to 9 a.m. Augensburg's is going to be at 11 a.m. So if you don't like real early, you can come at 11 at Augensburg. And I know it's just kind of a shift, really. It's not a huge deal. It's an hour. It's not this crazy thing. But it is a big deal when you've done something one way for 40 years. But I'm believing that this is going to mark something. It's not just a practical thing, but it's a kind of a, a symbolic moment for us all to say, you know what, we're going to shoulder the cross together. We're going to carry the ministry together. And maybe it means waking up a few minutes early. Maybe it means doing something a little bit different with your schedule. But I'm believing that because of it, we're going we're gonna to have this standing place to be able to launch more and more churches and leaders out of this place. Because listen, church is not a spectator sport. We are all called to be a part. We're all called to the work of the ministry. I think even right now, today, as we take community there, God's going to start to lay areas of the North Country on your heart. I'm believing that literally on our hearts, we're going to have names of towns and cities where we're going to just going to begin to pray, God, open a door there. Open a place there. Open a way there, God. Awaken hearts in that city, in that region. That we're not even going to just think about where we are right now, but where are you extending us, Jesus? I'm believing for an awakening in Messina like we've never seen. You know, I don't know if you know this, but there's a, a church that's just started in Messina, a brand new church. The Assemblies of God Church from Carthage is, had just planted a church here in Messina. And I saw their Facebook post about four weeks ago, and I, I immediately messaged them. And I just said, thank you for being here. Because listen... God needs more workers in the fields. I don't care what name they're under. 
And I believe that there's an awakening happening, not simply because we're a church that says we're going to do something about it, because God's already awakening other churches to the same thing. And I love the fact that somehow in Carthage, New York, someone's going, how can we influence Messina? How can we impact Messina, New York? To me, that's the Holy Spirit. That's people saying, we're going to carry this cross together. And I'm believing that we're going to see incredible things as we make a shift. This new year, 2022, is going to mark a huge shift in the life of this church. We're not going to be living in the desert wandering. We're going to cross into that promised land into the next 40 years, and we're going to see God conquer place after place. We're going to see God deliver place after place. Just like Joshua saw just like the Israelites saw. This is a moment for us all to say, God, we're on board. We're going to go where you go. I know it's been comfortable where I've maybe been living, but Jesus, I'm going to get out of my comfort and I'm going to press forward into the promise that you have had for us. Can we do that together this morning? Jesus says he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. And he broke it into pieces and he gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. God, as we take this bread together, as we symbolize the price you paid on that cross, God, we don't want to take it lightly. God, we don't even want to take it just in remembrance of your sacrifice, but God, we want to take it in this moment saying, we'll sacrifice with you. God, you can have our bodies. You can have our lives. You can have our futures. You can have our vision. And so, Jesus, we take this together today, saying we want to follow you to the cross. We want to follow you into your kingdom. And we want to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let's take the bread together. supper he took another cup of wine and he said this cup is the new covenant between God and his people an agreement confirmed with my blood which is poured out as a sacrifice for you Jesus we remember the price that you paid God we remember that that blood made a way to cover all the the distances between us and God to bridge that gap once again. And Father, we thank you for this price. God, we thank you for this sacrifice. And I pray today, even as we drink this in remembrance, God, that we would honor you with our lives. We wouldn't hold back. We wouldn't stay reserved, God. We wouldn't think less of ourselves than we're supposed to, God. We wouldn't diminish the call of God over our lives. God, we wouldn't diminish the call of God over this church. God, we wouldn't diminish your dreams and your visions for the North Country and beyond. But God, that we would step out in faith knowing that you've made a way already. In Jesus' name, let's take the cup together.
Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. Jesus, we thank you for what you've done. And Holy Spirit, we say together today, we need you in our lives. Holy Spirit, we need you in this church. We need you in every situation, in every circumstance. Father, I ask right now that your spirit would minister to every family in this place, every person online. God, every family in Messina would be ministered to by your spirit, God, that every family in Augensburg, God, would be awakened by your goodness and by your, your gratefulness, God, of what you've done, God, that they would be awakened to remember who you are. God, I pray that this region would wake up to the goodness of you, Jesus. And so, Father, we ask for your blessing right now over every person, every person watching, every person in this room. God, as we step out in faith together, believing for what you can do in these next 40 years. And God, in asking you the question, how will you ask me to sacrifice for it? In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed. Be blessed. Have a great day. Hope to see some of you in Augensburg tonight. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.